I'm Oscar, and this is Health Uncovered, mental health, asking for help. I was like, I don't need the help, I'm fine, everything's fine, and then it sort of builds up. I'd get up and I'd go to school and I'd be the happy bubbly one, I'd make jokes, it'd be fine, and then I'd come home and ignore the world, because for those five hours I could pretend and I could put on this mask. But it's almost when it clicked and they said, you've got this and you've got that, you just feel like you can breathe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Health Uncovered with me, Kel Spellman. This is a podcast series answering some of the big questions that you're asking and looking at some of the big issues all around you and your health. Now, we've been covering a whole load of different issues and topics over this series, but today is all about keeping your head healthy and making sure you know when and how you should ask for help if you need it. And today, we're doing things a little bit differently. We're in Dorset, and it is me that needs help. And I'm getting that help from our expert team of young people who are, we'll start to my left. Maya, Nikita, Jodie. Guys, thank you all so much for being here. Now we've talked about a whole variety of mental health issues in this series, but we are here today to talk about CAMS, which is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. And we've got some of the team behind this service who are... Lisa White, I'm a team manager at Bournemouth and Christchurch CAMS. Sam Best, clinical team manager from Pool CAMS. I guess the first question that I want to ask is, what is CAMS? CAMS usually stands for Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. We offer services for children and young people who are experiencing things like low mood, anxiety, they may have experienced trauma, they may have difficulties with phobias, ADHD, autistic spectrum conditions, that's right, just to name a few. Indeed we do. And that is something that you guys are all very familiar with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My relationship with CAMS was actually fairly messy. By the time I fell into the system, it was very much a fall into it. My mental health had deteriorated to the point that I was thinking something isn't right. Just along the lines of there were so many different things I had to diagnose that I needed help with that trying to find the right people to help me with the right things, I went through early intervention services, therapists, OTs. I went through just about everything before I wound up in um, inpatient unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was just no point where I'd even identified that I could catch it before it got too bad. And by the time I'd even thought, this isn't right, I need help, I'd already started a very slippy slope. So kind of once you were kind of then became the patient, what was the kind of stuff that you do with CAMS? In the beginning, it was kind of nobody knew what was happening with me. I had so many different symptoms. I ticked the boxes for loads of different illnesses. I was still undiagnosed with Asperger's at the time, so a lot of the therapeutic models aren't set up for females with Asperger's especially. The treatment for depression won't work if you only see things in black and white. I came with quite a complex mental health issue at the beginning, so even though people tried within the community, it was soon discovered that I needed to go into an inpatient unit because it was just so very complex that it couldn't be dealt with outside. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how about for yourself? What did CAMS do for you? Well, in 2013, I was admitted to CAMS because of low mood and things in general with family and stuff that needed fixing. I was lucky enough to find a very good therapist who I've been with for about three years now. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety quite early on when I was about 14, I think. 
and then things did get quite bad after a while and um, I ended up in inpatient services too. People say they either make you worse or better, but it depends on like whether you want to recover and get better and inpatient services really helped me. CAMS has helped me with a lot of things and understanding what my problem is. Like I was diagnosed with BPD while I was inpatient and that really explained it to me. Like at first I didn't really get it because I was like, why do I feel like this? Like, why is no one else like this? I don't understand what's going on. And then when I had the diagnosis, it like sort of made sense. Mm. I was given so many different ways of coping, how I can like ground myself. I was just taught so much and it was really good. Now I'm just doing quite well and CAMS are still supporting me and if I'm having a bad time they'll see me like every other day or make sure like whenever they have time they will see me and it just feels feels good because I feel like they are listening and they know what I need yeah. my CAMS worker really knows me well since then like I've been a lot better and it's all because of CAMS like if I wasn't admitted to CAMS in the first place then I doubt very much that I would be here today. I want to kind of go right back to the start before getting <coughs> to CAMS in, in just a second there's just a couple of questions I have and I might I'm going to ask some really stupid questions during our chat <laughs> by the way so please don't think I'm thick but it's just so we can get a real <coughs> clear picture. You two both kind of said so inpatient care is that, is that is that right is that inpatient services services so what is that then what's inpatient services when you go into a hospital okay because it is sort of the worst case scenario they do try and keep you out of that and into the community mm -hmm. but people who are in danger of themselves or to others they go there and stay as long as they need and get more intensive support so if it's okay with you guys, I kind of want to go way back to kind of even before you were then referred. Um, how long was there between feeling like maybe you should get help to then actually making the choice and saying, I'm going to go and get help? It took a very long time, I think. Obviously, with the kind of trauma that I'd been through and it wasn't disclosed until I was 15, I started to feel that way. So it was when I joined the middle school when I was in year five, when I was about nine, I started to realise something wasn't right. I just couldn't get along with people. I just couldn't make friends. I just was always really, really nervous. Every lesson I walked into, I just felt terrified. And when I went home, there was just so many problems at home. And I didn't really know what I was doing wrong. But to my mum and my dad, I was really acting really strange and everything. When I used to get really frustrated, I used to like pull out my hair or pull out my eyebrows, my eyelashes. And it wasn't until my mum saw that, that she said, what the hell are you doing? Something's obviously very wrong because I didn't think that that was a major thing. It was just how I got my anger out. I can't remember who referred me to Dorset Rape Crisis. And I was there for a short amount of time and they really help. But after that, I kind of didn't know where to go. And that's when I was introduced to CAMS by my GP. But with CAMS, I didn't click with any of my counsellors or therapists. And I kept saying to them, you know, I don't want to talk about my trauma. It just made me feel 10 times worse because I don't want them talking about my past and everything like that. 
and it wasn't until I did interpersonal psychotherapy, which is when you actually talk about how you feel and everything like that, because I have depression and anxiety, but I knew that there was something else there that wasn't quite right, and it wasn't until Cam sat me down, they said, yes, you do have post-traumatic stress disorder, and that's when everything kind of clicked. And then I got my counsellor, and she helped me so much. She sat down with me, and she just said to me, you're very, very ill, and you need to get some help. And, you know, she said, if you can't go to school, you don't go to school. If you don't want to do all of your GCSEs, you don't do them. So it was kind of just helping me through that. I went to obviously Dorset Rape Crisis Support Centre and I also had private therapy and it was always kind of the time that they had and it was also the money. With CAMS it was never like that and it's kind of like it breaks down the professional wall that they have. Almost like it doesn't feel like it's a hospital, it doesn't feel like you're going to get therapy, it just feels like you're going to sit down and talk to somebody and feel better yeah. at the end of it. It, it doesn't feel pressurised um, and everything and I think there's obviously a lot of people think it's really bad because when you first go and you don't click with people but once you have patience to get to that point you have to give it a chance yeah, yeah. that's the thing that's people just, don't give it a chance it's a life lesson you need to learn you yeah. won't get on with everyone you meet in the world so why the heck would that be the same with your therapist of course yeah. you need to learn that as an adult and unfortunately in CAMS you're, you're not an adult so you don't have the knowledge behind you to know that you don't need to get on with everyone in life and you won't but for every one bad staff member I can think of that I've encountered in my journey through CAMS, there has been nine that will sit with you in the pouring rain on the floor when you're refusing to walk inside or lay with you on a beach until you're okay to walk back into yeah. a hospital. So yeah, there are horror stories, but there are a lot of people that are trying. That moment though when, when it kind of, you know, mm. after those long years and you started talking about and dealing with, how did that feel? It's kind of a feeling you can't explain, but it's almost when it clicked and they said, you've got this and you've got that. And when I was put on my medication, you just feel like you can breathe kind of. You don't feel so pressured by everything because I just remember I was just so tired all the time. I was just exhausted with everything because there's just so much going on. And as soon as somebody helps you, you're just like, right, I can get better, because that's one thing with most people that have mental health is you don't think you can get better. So it's kind of as soon as you know you have help, you help yourself. As well, yeah. How about yourself? So where did your kind of journey began before getting referred to CAMS? I'd always been a bit of a weird kid, so there was no point... All the best people are weird, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. All the best people are. It would have been... quote on Twitter... Everyone's got a little bit of weirdness in them. That is absolutely fine. I'm bonkers. Normal Sorry, Karen. So yeah. it was... You screw you, normal people. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, because I was weird, I had weird friends. We weren't the social highlight group. We enjoyed what we enjoyed, and we just read books, and we didn't go out places, and we weren't normal teenagers. We didn't party and drink, and that wasn't us. So there was no point where I could really think it had slipped and I'd recognised it slowly descending. I'd had it for a while and then I'd sort of realised actually seeing and hearing things was not something normal that people had. And by that point I was like, I don't want to mention this. I had a very limited knowledge of psychosis and for me it was just people in horror movies talking to themselves and then going and murdering people mm. or schizophrenic man on the news stab someone I was like oh, that wasn't the case for me mine was so mild and it was so almost 
non-existent, that it wasn't really a problem. Even with my depression, I'd get up and I'd go to school and I'd be the happy bubbly one, I'd make jokes, it'd be fine, and then I'd come home and ignore the world. Because for those five hours I could pretend and I could put on this mask and just be happy, I could be the person and hide it behind this thing. It was year 11, so everyone was getting stressed over exams, and I'll always remember my best friend sat next to me in a lesson just going, oh, I'm having a breakdown over these GCSEs. I cried for like an hour last night. And I was like, is that all? Is that really your breakdown? <laughs> I was almost like, oh, OK. And I almost thought, well, everyone's having breakdowns then. That's, I'm normal at the moment. It wasn't till I heard on BBC Radio 1 they did the clinic and they were talking about exam stress. And they were saying about exam stress. And I was like, but I feel more than that. I want to die. That's not exam stress. That's not normal as as much as I hate the word it was two minutes at the end where they were like but depression's different to exam stress so if you feel like you want to die or anything like that you should go and talk to someone and it wasn't till I thought oh okay so this is a bit more than oh I'm scared about my GCSEs that I thought I need to go and talk to someone I went and talked to my school counsellor and was that li like literally the next day the Monday I asked for an appointment and they were like, yeah, sure, come on in. I went and talked to my school counsellor and she said, it's exam stress, don't worry about it, it's probably just your hormones. <laughs> I was like, okay. I hadn't told anyone that I could hear and see things at this point because I was like, they're going to bang me up straight away if I say this. I was like, no, I don't think it is. I'm self-harming to cope with life. That's a really difficult emotion I'm having. And they were like, yeah, but you're keeping the cuts clean, aren't you? So I left the school counsellor's office and I thought, no. Um, the GP must be able to do something. I marched down to the GP's office by myself and I sat there. He was a bit condescending, but he was like, so what's wrong? And I went, I want to die. No, like, I literally want to die. It's all I think about and it's all I want to do. And I don't understand. And he went, oh, okay. Immediately referred me to CAMS. I was faking it till I made it and I never made it. So for you, obviously, kind of that moment you told someone that wasn't kind of like kind of where, where you were at, Maya. It was kind of more of a, oh, this is a lot deeper than I realised. Yeah, I always remember very, very well. There was a girl in my school who was also self-harming, but she'd walk out around with it all over her arms and quite open, and the teachers would stop and talk to her, and I'd be like, oh, I don't... Should I talk to someone? But I wasn't that confident. I was like, oh, they've probably got it worse than me. It's all fine. And it was just hiding it, I think, that took most of my energy away. Why do you think you, you felt the need to hide it? I think just the stigma around it, the stigma around mental health, I didn't even know until I was going into an inpatient unit that it wouldn't be padded cells and straitjackets. And I was walking in that day to be put in there for the weekend. And I just had no idea what wards looked like. I was still so far back into thinking, oh, all anorexic people would hate me because I had a bit of weight on me and all people with anxiety would just be cute people in jumpers. It was so romanticised and I didn't realise the reality and the weight of mental illness and actually what stigma does. Because I thought if you have psychosis, you must be an axe-wielding murderer who talks to dead people. And that's just not the case at all. I mean, obviously, CAMS is really seems to be the, the driving force behind really tackling th this world that we're talking about here. But do you think there's, there's a lot more that still needs to be done on the frontier of schools and teachers and guardians? Because hearing those responses, and even from the GP as well, that shouldn't have made you feel like he was being condescending. I know he at least referred you to CAMS, but... Do you think there's a lot, with, there's still a lot to do on that side of things? 
Definitely. I think that's all part of the whole CAMS transformation that we're doing at the moment. We're looking at how young people, children and their families can get help earlier on and the contrast between mental health and physical health and I don't know whether Maya can tell the story again about do you remember you were in school and you felt quite anxious and the boy with the broken leg and I, I find that story quite telling so I, I would you mind yeah, sharing I it? Mind. Um, I was in school one day and it wasn't until this happened that it kind of clicked that I wasn't getting the amount of help that I needed and I think I was in year 10 so it really wasn't that long ago it was probably only a couple of years back I was sat in a history class and bearing in mind this teacher was my uh, mental teacher and I he was the first person to tell I came in late in the morning a year back and said the police have been around my house last night I'm very sorry I'm late all this stuff has happened and he was just asked oh, fine just go into the class so he knew everything about me and I was sat at the back of the class I was just white, I felt sick, and I just felt like I was going to basically just fall on the floor. And I just said to Sir, please, can I just go home? I need to get out of this lesson, I cannot cope with it. And he said, no, this coursework is very important, well, and you need to stay, stay and do it for your GCSE. And I said, I just nodded and agreed and kind of just sat there. And then a boy came in, and he was late because he'd broken his leg. And the teacher was there just like that. He helped him through the door. He sat him down, took his crutches off him, said, you don't need to do the work if you don't want to. I understand if you're in pain, if you want to go at any time in the lesson, do you want a cup of water? And I kind of was just sat there like, he's not in pain. He's been to the hospital, he's got a cast. He can do the lesson. Whereas I physically feel like I just want to run into a road right now. And it kind of just made me realize when I went to bed that night, you know, I wasn't getting the help no. from the school I needed. I didn't look ill. I would put on every day full face of makeup. I always had my hair done. I um, made sure I always had my nails done. I had my jewelry on. I'd like I went to school like I was gonna go out for on the town or something like that because I just liked my to take care of my appearance. And to them, because I didn't have scars all the way down my arms yeah. and everything, I was completely healthy and fine. But really, when I got home, I was screaming, crying, and pulling out my hair. And they don't see that because yeah. they only see what they want to see. Um, similar to Maya, I was in a mainstream school when I got very ill. My school, halfway through year 11, turned around and said, look, we don't think you should be at school anymore. Like, it felt almost like they were like, I'm sorry, but we can't handle you anymore. And I was just left to my own devices, really. They got in contact with so another... Year 11, yeah. Yeah, year 11. GCSE, yeah. yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Basically, they tried to get me into a learning centre for kids who are naughty, so kids who are misbehaving and stuff. And I was just sort of like, I'm, I, I don't misbehave or anything. Like, that's not where I belong, but that's where they were trying to refer me to. One thing that I picked up on there is the understanding of mental health as a whole. And what was common in all three stories that I picked up on, people aren't actually listening. People aren't aware of this world and people don't understand it. I don't know if you've all heard of Mental Health First Aid, and that is a new initiative to train staff up, particularly in schools, to identify mental health problems. Mm -hmm. So young people who present in schools should then be able to get a referral earlier because of that. Okay. 
increased awareness. The thing that is thrown out the most is you're a teenager, it's because of hormones. Even though I have a complex mental health difficulty and lots of people do, it's actually incredibly underplayed when you're a young person. I could be going through the same stuff as a 40-year-old, but when you're a teenager and you're going through it, it's more, yeah, but it's not that bad, is it? It's a phase, <laughs> which yeah. is a huge oh. one. Unfortunately, young people then try and find people who, who get them, and we have the power of social media. So you can learn about cams, but it won't be helpful because what you forget to remember when you're searching online and looking at all these recovery blogs, and I say that recovery blogs because I'm pretty sure they're not always, the only times you find out about services are from people who are going through services who aren't in the right mindset to give you an idea of what you should expect from cams. CAMS has saved my life. I wouldn't be here without it. But when I was at my worst, when I was living in a tent in my room, in my house, and hadn't left my house for three months, I wouldn't have given you a good review. It wouldn't have been nice. And that's unfortunately what other young people listen to. So that's all they hear about CAMS is, oh, you don't want to do that. It's rubbish. Oh, if you go inpatient, you'll, you'll never be normal again, or you'll never come out, or it'll never be fine. So not only are you getting adults going, it's because you're a teenager or it's because you're emo or because of this, you're getting young people going, oh, I hate cams because my friend said that her doctor did this. And you're like, yeah, but she's not going to say it's good because she's not in the right mindset yes, yeah. to say it's good. Do you speak to your mates about mental health? I do very much so because I think it's so important for people to be aware and also like family and stuff. But I think it's so important for people to be aware like this, if someone is listening to it and their child is suffering or a young person is suffering, all I can say is just speak up. I know it's scary, but speaking up for yourself will help. Especially with parents as well. I found as soon as my parents knew, Same. it makes it easier. Yeah. Because I have two close friends, but apart from that, I didn't talk to people at school because whenever I did, it was kind of like, I don't know, they would just make a joke or something like that. So they feel uncomfortable talking about it. But more than anything, I talk to my parents mm -hmm. now. If you don't have a good family support network and you also don't have very close friends, it's quite hard yeah. as well. You don't need to be able to change the world. Yeah, it's great to help others and I'd do it all day long if I could, but it took me a long while to realise that being selfish isn't selfish. You can't pour from empty cups is something my grandma always used to say. And I think a lot of young people, we know how it feels when you're depressed. We get it. And when you know that someone else is going through what you're feeling, it's the worst feeling in the world because you know what it's like in the dark. And if I had tried to save myself before I tried to save everyone else I met in inpatient and everyone else I met in different rooms in different places online and wherever, if I put all my energy into me, and got myself to the person I am today quickly and before I saved everyone else, then I'd, I wouldn't have had to go through PQ units and all the things I went through because it's great to change the world. I want to change the world. I want there to be a giant change in mental health services. You need to know you first and you need to help you before you help anyone else yeah. because you cannot help people if you're not in the right place yourself. So to finish, if you're listening to this and kind of any of what we've discussed has kind of connected with you or, or resonated or you'd may, it might even just be a tiny, tiny one little thing that someone said and you think oh, that could be me. The radio show saved my life. So if you're sat there thinking I'm not that ill, just go and tell someone. 
especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, well, those girls on that sofa have really complex needs or they've been through a lot. I'm never going to be as bad as them or I'm not as bad as them. That you should never rank your mental illness no, with anyone like else's. Else. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all down to the we person. Might, isn't we it? might yeah. have complicated things, but there was a time in my life where I thought I'm not as bad. I don't deserve the help, and deserving person, is the yeah, worst world. Person. So, where would you send young people to? Where can they go? And, and what advice and help would you guys give now? I would say to start with your parents if you can, or with friends. Go to see a GP, school nurse talk to somebody <laughs> and if you don't get the answer you think you deserve talk Keep to talk someone to else again. Yeah. do not yeah. give up yeah. <laughs> i think all three of us can safely say we would not be sat here alive today no. we would have probably all have managed to take in our lives if there hadn't been intervention from cams and that is probably the weightiest thing you'll ever hear i mean i'm, I'm a little bit annoyed at myself now i didn't wasn't too aware of cams before now but i'm telling you i'm bloody Bloody glad I am. That is it for this very special edition and very special episode of Health Uncovered with me, Kel Spamman. As you've just heard there and listened, you know, mental health is a massive, massive issue. And you know, it, the prospect of it can be quite scary, but once you start talking and kind of opening up, the help is there for you and things do get better. That's um, so cliche, but it does. It does. It really yeah, yeah. does. And are there, are there any websites or anything as well you point people to? Yep, Young Minds, www.youngminds.org.uk. Guys, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure to be able to sit here uh, and listen to you guys today. You three are amazing. And you really are incredible people, like beautiful, wonderful people inside and out. You should never let anyone tell you any different, seriously. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, and I do truly believe that you'll be helping a lot of young people out there. This has been Health Uncovered with me, Kel Spellman. This is Health Uncovered with Dorset Healthcare University Foundation Trust. Health Uncovered is recorded with NHS professionals who help young people like school nurses and the CAMS mental health team. To find out how to get confidential support with any health issue, speak to your GP or ask in school.